get that started? Hello everyone and welcome to the Washburn Review's 2017 student-run debate. We're so glad you could join us tonight, whether it's here in the live audience or through our live stream camera. I'm Mark Dearborn and I'll be your moderator for the night. Before we begin, I'd like to recognize all of the candidates for their hard work campaigning these past weeks and for putting up with this nosy reporters, of course. <laughs> so uh, I'd also like to thank everyone who's attending tonight for getting involved with the election. I know that everyone in this room is passionate about the issues and uh, wants to solve them just as much as our candidates do. So uh, why don't we start off with a round of applause. All right, let's uh, all take a seat now. So let's get to business. To those of you in the audience, we've made some slight adjustments from last year. We're going to divide questions up by topic. We'll start out with general questions, then experience and campaign specific questions, and then questions over the five topics you voted for in our poll. With this in mind, remember you have the opportunity to ask the candidates questions tonight. To our live audience, as we move on to the topic that your question pertains to, meet with our production staff in the back of the room to get your question approved. Our usher will guide you in front of the stage when it's time to ask your question directly to the candidates. To our viewers on social media, submit your question as a comment on our Facebook live stream while we're on the relevant topic, or post the question on Twitter with the hashtag WashburnDebate. Bear in mind, if your question doesn't fit any of the topics, we have a segment reserved for that at the end of the debate. Now candidates, let's talk about the rules. Keep in mind, you have two minutes for all answers to questions and responses. If your opponent mentions you in their answer, I will prompt you for a response if you wish to give one. For the duration of the debate, you have five unprompted responses between you and your running mate, which you may use by raising your hand while an opponent finishes their answer. If a running dialogue gets going, please wait for your opponent to finish their statement before retorting. And if I request we move on, please respect that for the sake of time. All right, candidates, here we go. Let's start off with introductions, and remember that you and your running mate have two minutes between you. We'll start off on the left, start with Scott. I'm Scott Weinkopf, I'm running for vice president along with. Hi, I am Alexis Simmons, and I'm running as the presidential candidate in the two of us. Are we expanding on more than names? If you'd like to, yes. Okay, uh, Scott and I are deciding to run um, to represent the students because the two of us believe that um, the best way to give back to the university is to uh, make it a better place like students before us have done. And one of the best platforms to do that from is uh, the WSGA office. And we believe that the seven years of uh, schooling that we have on this campus between us has provided us with experiences and relationships and resources uh, to successfully uh, continue improving the school for future students. Zach, Jim, go ahead. Jim Henry, I'll be running for Vice President of Student Body. And I'm Zach Stratt, I'll be running for Student Body President. Uh, as a campaign, we've focused on communication, cooperation, and coordination. That's what we've adopted as our slogan. But we really have been practicing that for the past four weeks of our campaign. We hope to continue that um, if we are elected uh, for the students, for the faculty, staff, and the administration here at Washington. Victoria, sir, go ahead. Hi, I'm Victoria Tuesaker, and I'm running WSGA president. I'm Sarah Ariaga. I'll be running as vice 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's move into questions. We're starting off with general and experience questions. And for our viewers, we will not have students submitted questions for these sections. These first questions are addressed to all three campaigns. We'll go from table to table for answers, starting at the left. All right, here's the first question. How would you define the role of the student body president and vice president on campus? I would describe the role of student body president as a representative with the necessary qualifications and experience um, to you know, be able to build those relationships with administration and faculty. A lot of the issues that student body presidents and vice presidents both encounter uh, you know, they do, they require some kind of previous knowledge on the issue. And so I believe that a presidential candidate is different from a senator, not in that they want to serve students, you know, or the power that they yield, but, um, you know, and the knowledge that they bring to the table, that it's, it's more, and that's where the background experience comes in. Zach, go right ahead. Thank you. Well, as student body president, I feel that, um, whoever is president, the responsibility is mainly, you know, doing their best job to represent the students uh, all equally and um, to make sure that everyone has the most opportunity for success here at Washburn. Um, as president, you not only are, uh, you know, in charge of leading Senate or making sure that things run smoothly in Senate, but also making sure that you're communicating, cooperating, and coordinating with all students here at Washburn and with the university on a regular basis. Sarah, go right ahead. Um, it is my belief that as president, you do represent all students here on campus and faculty and staff. And it, as, as president, it is your sole duty to be a great representation and try to pass legislation that is beneficial to all on campus. Um, just to continue making Washburn a better place for everyone. Likewise, I believe that being a vice president or a president is about getting the voices Let's move on to the second question. What do you believe is the most important work the Mickelson-Rodriguez administration has done for Washburn? And what would you do to carry on their work after they leave office? Alexis Scott, go right ahead. You know, I would say it is honestly probably having to go through the navigation of the upcoming concealed carry policy. I mean, you know, Malcolm didn't commit to an easy administration, you know, an easy year. This is something that is literally shaking state, every corner of the state, every university, every student is gonna feel the repercussions of this. And keeping up with those policies um, and those statutes is crucial and it's time consuming and you know, can be emotionally draining. Uh, you know, I think it takes a certain kind of person to be able to do that day in, day out. And it is a thankless job as Malcolm has reminded us a dozen times. <laughs> and so uh, I would say that's probably the biggest, the, honestly the biggest, is working with the university at this uh, beginning stage to build the foundation for that incoming um, huge transition that we're all gonna go through. Thanks, Malcolm. <laughs> is that Jim, go right ahead. I'm to start off, um, we both think, and I hope that it's agreed upon all campaigns that the Mickelson Rodriguez administration did a great job you know, doing their best to represent all students. We feel that, you know, as senators, we've seen that firsthand, how they've worked hard on every issue that comes to the table. 
Um, but a specific issue that you know we like to speak about is open education resources. This is something that they fought for a lot last year, um, and they got a lot accomplished. And now it will be up to the next administration to continue to implement that uh, that resource for students to make sure that tuition stays low, or at least general cost for students stay low in the coming years. Um, it is my belief that Falcon's most important work is the work that he's done with mental health services. He wasn't expecting to do that in his campaign. He wasn't expecting to do that this year, but he, he rose to the issue. He did what a president should do, and he changed the student body's needs and wants. Um, so he made he's working towards an affordable, um, not affordable, but making it a better system for students and faculty. Um, that's my biggest deal. I use like the counseling services here, and Claire and I are very passionate about mental health services. If I could remind you all, please speak up into your mic so that our audience can hear you. Um, we'll move on to the next question. If you're not the winner of this 2017 election, what are you and your running mate going to do to benefit Washburn in place of the work that would be done as WSGA president and vice president? We'll start on the right side this time with Victoria and Sarah. Um, if we do not win, um, I know Victoria and I have both said that we will continue with Senate. Um, we have, part, partly with our campaign, as we visit all these people, we have gotten introduced to a lot of people that really want to get involved with WSGA as well. So just recruiting more senators and making sure that it's full for the next administration is really important. But also I'd like to continue to keep um, with some of the other activities that I've gotten involved with, such as CAB, just to keep the ideas that we've run on our campaign, such as Excite, <laughs> to um, keep those rolling even if I'm not president. I want to keep working towards that. Jim, go right ahead. If we are unfortunate enough to not win this election, uh, I know exactly what I would do. Uh, for the last few years, I've been really passionate about sexual assault awareness and reform on campus, and I would look forward to helping Shelly Behrman really push forward with this bystander intervention program that's going to be coming to the university. Um, I would, I'm also really passionate about diversity, and uh, you know, there's this program that my friend from high school created called the Princess Project that they're using at Wichita State right now that reaches into the community uh, to help um, almost mentor girls from um, underprivileged and underrepresented areas of the community. And so I've been talking to her and she sent me all the resources to start implementing that here in our Topeka community, uh, regardless of whether I win or lose. What do you, Scott? Uh, <clears throat> I also think that it's really important to uh, invest in the community. Uh, especially the surrounding areas, so that's what I'm going to be working on, no matter if I win or lose. Okay. Right. Move on to our next question real quick. If elected president and vice president, what is the very first issue your administration will prioritize and focus resources on? We'll start with Victoria and Sarah again. So our first act will be creating a diversity league. 
that will include all the organizations and teams here on campus. So basically, we'll be setting aside a part of our budget in WSGA to create a, a week-long celebration of what it means to be diverse. Instead of just talking about it in Blue 101 classes, we'll actually be implementing it and doing it in real life. Um, that will go along with our informing, so we'll be changing plan at the same time to make it more informative for all students to know what's going on so they can participate in our diversity week. Jim, go right ahead. My first responsibility that I will take up as president will be to continue what we've done in our campaign is to continue to reach out to student organizations and different students administration on, on campus to make sure that student needs are met and are prioritized. Um, as a lot of people know, the university's budgeting process happens at a time of transition with WSGA, so we want to make sure that even during that time of transition uh, that the university knows exactly what the student needs are and what we've been advocating for all year since. Lexus, uh, the first issue that I would tackle is concealed carry, and it's for a really simple reason. Uh, you know, just today I was sitting in a meeting in the State House where they talked about risks that people don't think about. Uh, you know, what about over in Stopper where we have explosive materials? Guns are allowed in those rooms, and the bill today that was proposed is to, uh, you know, take more power away from universities on creating policies and regulations. And so, uh, you know, if the university doesn't have a way to, uh, you know, make it more difficult for you know weapons to get into areas with explosive materials, we're gonna have to really focus on education. And so I'd say, you know, really hitting hard and fast with education and voluntary training for uh, concealed carry holders, as well as a registry that could be accessed by both WUPO, counseling services, and the residence halls, so that they would be aware of, uh, you know, any special circumstances they may encounter. Uh, I'll be focused on uh, campus involvement, specifically homecoming. That's right there, it has VP, I planned that. I've been homecoming chair two times for my fraternity, so I think I have a pretty good idea of what, what students and myself want for this. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to our next question now. All of your campaigns have made calls to encourage and support diversity, and it seems that those calls are also associated with diverse representation from student organizations. It is also important that they are fairly represented and that their agendas are not unfairly prioritized. How would you maintain a system of checks and balances to ensure fair representation for all student orgs? Start on the left side with Alexis and Scott. Uh, you know, I think a really simple way to address this problem is something that Scott and I have discussed already, and that's encouraging all student organizations to have one member run for a seat on Senate, because what better way for them to have access to everything that's happening and all the resources, uh, you know, the knowledge on how to go about getting those resources, than to have someone that's in the middle of the process. Uh, you know, and in addition to that, um, you know, I believe that having experience all across campus, uh, you know, you get to visit with all kinds of students from different organizations, and you may have a certain passion, but, uh, you know, the relationships are there that you can reach out and say, hey, this is something, you know, that you may be interested in, uh, you know, that the senators that are representing them can do as well. Uh, really just encouraging communication, which can also be done, um, we talked a little bit about this, through a search box that we may have on the Washburn homepage, where you have really basic information that you enter. Um, so that students' questions and concerns are sent quickly to WSGA's office where they can be addressed by senators or president or vice presidents. So they all have equal access uh, to those communication sources. Zach, Jim, go right ahead. Well, as senators, uh, we already know that, you know, 
running for re-election or running for Senate, you can actually already get backed by student organizations. So if organizations wanted to have one of their members join Senate, you know, of course we're going to encourage all students to be involved and to run, um, and that's what we've been doing for the past four weeks. Um, so we don't feel that it's necessary to mandate every student organization require their members to run, but we're definitely going to heavily, you know, make sure that people know the opportunity is out there. As far as getting people involved, like I said earlier, as a campaign and hopefully as an administration, we want to make sure that we're continuing to reach out to all student organizations to make sure that they're aware of the opportunities that they have on Senate, whether they have members on Senate or not, so that way uh, you know, they can't be unfairly prioritized in the Senate or in our administration at all. Tori, Sarah, go ahead. Uh, for this, we really want to just reach out to more students. There are lots of students that aren't aware that you can join WSGA. Along with our campaign that we were doing, there's also the senator application that was being that was going on. So getting students aware of that is really important. And also just recruiting like those students that you know that have a voice and have something to say that would like to be involved, just making sure that you reach out to them and get them involved. Having the full Senate is important to the next administration, like I mentioned earlier. So getting more students out there is really important. Also, we want to do something uh, with all student organizations to give them like within their officers have a WSGA representative, so they have a direct line to us, a more direct line, I should say, and also um, getting our senators in the office so that people are available whenever they need to be, so that anyone can come in and ask questions and join WSGA. Wonderful. We're going to move into experience questions now, starting with the first question. This question is addressed to the Toothpicker Ariaga ticket. In regards to your experience in WSGA, Sir and Henry campaign stated in their podcast that they believe you are involved in student government, but that you lack experience in behind the scenes and legislative work in the administration that, quote, specifically just comes with time. How would you defend your experience in WSGA, specifically in legislative work? Well, um, my best thing to say to that is time doesn't always equal passion. And experience doesn't equal passion. It, it's not saying that it's not. It's just saying that, yes, you can have time, and yes, you can have experience, but that doesn't mean you're going to be passionate about whatever legislation you're passing, um, whoever you're representing. Sarah and I have passion. Um, a little bit about my background. I've studied at Dot City Community College and two summers ago, Harvard University. Um, I'm fairly educated, and now I'm here at Washburn University as a first-year student. Um, Sarah and I have multiple leadership positions in different organizations, and yeah, we served on Senate, and we've gotten to see how legislation is passed, and I feel that we are qualified enough to continue on and be the next president and vice president. Is that a prompted response? Can I utilize an interjection? Go ahead. Okay, I would just uh, like to point out that while you your group may lack um, legislative experience. In the podcast, the Sir Henry campaign, uh, you know, says that they don't, they are not the event attending type either. Uh, you know, so I think it's important to acknowledge that um, both groups, I don't think they're, you know, they each have different backgrounds. One is not necessarily uh, more applicable than the other because the passion comes in. I believe in attending the events that the students work so hard to put on and that the funding pays for. Zach, do you have a response to that? 
Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I didn't really hear anything about how legislation was passed and a lot about the learning experience, but I'm also a first-year senator, um, so I didn't get that learning experience, but I also was passionate enough to pass legislation on both accessibility tours and on the application to the University of the Expanding Counseling, counseling Services. Um, so I've gotten that the learning experience as well as you know knowing full well how to pass legislation as a senator. Um, so we feel that as a campaign we're very comfortable with the legislative process you know, as well as what goes on uh, in the administrative side of things to make sure that all you know gets enforced. Um, I'm not specifically sure where in our podcast, but uh, where was it? You know, we didn't attend events um, because I feel that we've been very active in attending all the events that we put on. Um, I actually got my pause for a cause bracelet on. We did tie dye. It was very exciting, and, and that was again mental health awareness. Um, so I, we feel that, you know, we're not saying that no one here is passionate about the issues. We're saying that we have the passion, we have the leadership experience that goes along with making sure that we know, you know, how the legislative process works in the Senate and how to enforce that as an administration. Any responses from that? Um, just to point out some of the things that I have done with Senate and with legislation, um, I was part of, all senators are put into different committees. I am part of the Campus Affairs Committee, and I was a part of the accessibility tour, and so I was involved with that as well. Um, I have written a thank you resolution. Although my writing experience of legislation is not huge, all senators, I believe, throughout the process of WSGA are trained, are exposed to the legislation, to the process, to parliamentary procedure and different things, so I think being that we are both first-year senators, along with Zach. Um, our experience in WSGA is not On the next question now. This question is addressed to the Sir Henry ticket. You both have campaigned stating that you have the most combined experience in WSGA with seniority. However, with the question the Toothaker Ariaga and Simmons Weinkopf tickets have posed, is it possible that new perspectives, that is, younger ones and ones from the outside, may be needed to bring new solutions to the various issues WSGA will be addressing in 2017? Well, I'll start off here. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we've had the most time. You know, like I said, I'm still a first-year senator, um, so it, I have experience, but I also, it's not like I'm an old senator. Um, but what we mean by experience there is that, you know, we've had, like I said, the learning experience and the legislative experience as senators. We, so, we have also had outside experience. Um, I was student body president at my high school, so I know how to represent a student body. I was an intern at the Kansas legislature, so I know how the state government and the budget works there. But I was also a city councilman in my hometown where I got familiarized with a municipal budget. All of those factors go into what makes Washburn, Washburn. Um, so we feel that not just being senators gives us the qualifications to lead the Senate and the WSJ, but also our outside experiences, and I'll let Jim kind of expand on his leadership experiences. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of my experience falls, falls more on campus. You know, I've been a member of the Cap Sigma Fraternity Treasurer for them. I was uh, awarded a national award for Grand Treasurer of the Year. Um, I'm also currently a SOC on campus, so that's a great way to reach out to as many students as possible. I worked at the REC for a year and a half. You get hundreds of students coming in and out. 
So I know the faces of Washburn. I know I know a lot of the people on campus. I'm also a big part of Greek Council. Uh, I was a IFC delegate last year, as well as a CAB delegate. Um, as well as with WSGA, you know, my experience within WSGA includes being a part of the Constitutional Review Committee, where this committee goes in, goes through the Constitution point by point to rewrite and amend it. I've also been part of the Allocations Committee, which um, takes in about a, a good majority of the bills that are run through Senate. Majority of those bills are funding requests, and I've played a crucial role in accepting or you know just talking about the funding requests that come through allocations. I've been a very big part of that. Alrighty, this question is addressed to the Simmons Wine Coffee Ticket. Both the Toothaker Arioga campaign and Serve Henry campaigns discussed you as outsiders to WSGA in their podcasts. They have suggested that because you are not members of the administration, you do not have a clear picture of their budget or how to move the administration. How would you refute this or work to adapt your platform to fit the administration? Well, I would start by saying that um, I myself was a member of WSGA when I was a, a first semester of my sophomore year. And Scott has also served on WSGA. He's actually, he was a senator, senator on WSGA longer than anyone else on the stage has been a WSGA senator. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily from the outside. And, uh, you know, again, Scott and I have combined seven years on campus. That's seven years of building relationships with various administration and faculty. And Washburn is a school built on relationships. You know, so there's no reason that a student should feel like they, you know, cannot pursue some kind of leadership opportunity with the knowledge that there's administration and faculty there to assist them. Uh, you know, we have Jess here sitting right up here, our advisor. You know, the, there's no reason that a student should feel prohibited from going after a WSGA position um, of any kind of real capacity because of a lack of experience in that organization specifically. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to jump into issues chosen in our poll, starting with guns on campus. We will now accept question submissions from students and faculty. So if you have a question to ask the candidates on this topic, submit it via live stream comment or meet with our production team at their table in the back. All right, first question. This question is addressed to the Simmons Weinkopf ticket. In your platform video, called for a voluntary registry with the university for concealed carriers. In conversations with university attorney Mark Freed, it was made apparent that the university cannot be responsible for any kind of voluntary or mandatory registration or awareness of concealed carriers for risk of liability and lawsuit. With the knowledge that you have said that you have extensive knowledge of the campus carry bill as a government intern and lobbyist, how would you defend your proposal in light of this uh, you know, like I said earlier, just today I sat in on a committee meeting in House Federal and State in which we talked about the restrictions that would come about in some kind of registry. And it's not impossible to do, um, not at all. Uh, that bill is the one that would have prohibited it and there's a wide knowledge it's going to be stricken down. So as far as uh, statute precedent goes, that does not exist. And, uh, you know, in addition, I would say that, you know, propose the same question to every group up here. What options does the university have at this point in time? You know, the state has said, you can't do a whole lot of education, you can't do a whole lot of training. So if the other groups have better ideas that would fall within statute guidelines, I would like to hear them, because it is nearly impossible for the university to sponsor any kind of education and training. 
uh, you know, even just knowledge of the firearms, like you said. So it really becomes an issue of, uh, you know, creativity and really taking it day by day because we thought this issue was solved. And here I am today at another meeting with another bill. I would like to hear any suggestions they have that they believe would fall into the, the category. I saw a hand raised from Zach and Jim. We'll start with you. Absolutely. And this is something that we've talked about from the beginning of our campaign. We've had conversations with Dr. Farley, with Dr. Grosswich, the Vice President of Student Life, and with the uh, interim chief of the police department, Captain Enos, and we're all on the same page. Um, and it pretty much has been the position of this campaign that we can uh, provide informational forums to make sure that all students, whether you choose to conceal or carry or not, are informed on both the state policy and Washburn's own gun or conceal and carry policy. Um, this is within university limits. What the university can also do, and something that we talked again with Captain Nunes about, he's on the same page, we can provide uh, limited training for those that do wish to conceal and carry. Again, you know, we will not have any kind of mandatory or voluntary list of those that show up. Um, you know, they don't, they're not required to show up with their firearm. Um, it's simply just, you can show up, and instead of just going through the procedure, it's really going through, you know, this is how you can avoid violating the, the conceal and carry law, you know, um, they'll walk them through it. And what we've also done, had conversations with, and this would be allowed, is that, you know, instead of going to the university for gun training, we can have voluntary off-campus gun training. And um, we actually have spoken with people outside of campus that I know that do regular gun training seminars. Um, this is something that Captain Minos and Dr. Grosbich were, you know, would stand behind, um, but it, it cannot be done to the university, but some things like education can be done. Um, it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't know this, apparently, but um, it can be done and it will be done under our administration. Uh, I know you have your hand raised. I wanted to ask Tori, Sarah, if they had a response to the initial question. Um, yes, we do. We have this proposition of safe zones in our campaign. It was just an idea brought forth by Tori and I that we could have a limit, we could, right, we just wanted to start a conversation. We wanted to ask students to not bring their guns to a certain event for a certain time when there was stress involved just to help um, the transition from no guns to full guns. Um, but when we were having a conversation with administration, we realized that there are so many um, loopholes that you have to jump through. There's so many restrictions on this. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate because some students are uncomfortable with this idea, and so we just wanted to do something to make the transition easier, but we also would like to do lots with information because that is the most important and the most feasible thing that we can do at this point. What's this? Um, well, uh, actually, exactly the plan that you proposed is what we talked about in our podcast. Uh, you know, utilizing students that we have here on campus to do kinds of education. Uh, it doesn't have to be on campus premises, but there's nothing wrong with utilizing students that we have here. Um, and as far as safe zones go, that is explicitly prohibited in state statute. Um, you, in order to get a safe zone, uh, the university has to be able to ensure that no other gun, guns of any kind are going to be present, and that requires metal detectors, which are beyond out of the budget for almost every university in the state. Uh, which is why safe zones, although an excellent, excellent suggestion, uh, really is not totally feasible. You can request a student not bring a firearm, but you know, 
that's the whole argument for concealed carry. You can request they don't do it, but you can't guarantee someone doesn't. Yes, to combat that, um, we're just saying that we want to start conversation about the idea of taking selfies. We want to see what options we have for the university to ease the transition for students. Because 50, uh, over 50% 50 of students were not for the con like concealed carry. And that's a hot topic right now. Students are concerned for their safety. So the WSGA and especially all of the campuses here should have some sort of like action plan, I feel like. We should have conversations with Kathleenas and Dr. Farley about what we can and cannot do. I understand what you mean by the legislature and um, the safe zone. It's just trying to start like a tradition per se, not necessarily a policy, because we understand like the financial situation of the university. But we're not saying that um, security measures are completely out of the option. It's just security measures for the entire university is not necessary. Any other responses? We'll move on. This question is addressed to the Sir Henry ticket. In your platform video and podcast, you have campaigned stating that informational forums and incentivized training sessions are the key to the safest possible implementation of guns on campus. In their podcast, the Toothaker Ariaga campaign has posed the concern that it's already very difficult to attend these, get students to attend these kinds of informational meetings. What kind of incentives are you proposing? And what can you do beyond incentives to encourage attendance? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, we feel that because it is such a controversial or hot topic right now that, you know, with the marketing capabilities of the Washington Student Government Association, you know, once we get these informationals up, informational forums up and running, that, you know, if they're marketed correctly, a lot of students will actually feel like, you know, I'd like to attend this, you know, It'll help people get more comfortable on campus and to better know the policy. And as far as incentivizing it, um, you know, there's not, you know, because like of, of course we can't make any of the lists or uh, mandate anything, you know, for our concealing carry uh, users. Um, we just want to make sure that you know that the option is available to all students um, between those that do and do not. Move on to our next question. This question is addressed to the Toothaker Ariaga ticket. In your platform video and podcast, you proposed the idea of safe zones, specifically areas or events on campus where you would formally request the student body does not conceal carry. In their podcast, Sir Henry campaign mentions you had a chance to review the drafted campus carry policies WSGA senators and then raise concerns on how safe zones would be permitted under the state mandate that Washburn cannot control where or when students can conceal carry. How would you defend your proposal as it conflicts with the restriction mentioned by the Sir Henry campaign? Um, as I mentioned before, uh, it's just a conversation to be had. Um, each candidate, all of us, we're trying to make plans of actions for students to feel more safe on campus. Um, so that's, it's just trying to start a tradition. It's not actually mandating anything. We're not trying to go against legislation or break any rules per se. Um, we're definitely talking to Captain Enos to work out the bugs. Again, just what I said earlier, it's just something to start that spark of transition. And we are not here to formally ask students to not bring their guns. If this is a state law, then you are allowed to bring your guns, and we are for that. We're not here to try and prevent uh, guns on campus because this is 
it's going to happen. There's no preventative measures we can take. We can only be proactive with having the students feel comfortable with what will occur. And we suggested safe zones not to keep guns out, but to keep students more comfortable. And we, we had this idea, and we're having conversations to work the tweaks out and to uh, work this idea into something that is actually feasible with what the law states. All right, we'll move on to our next question now. This question is addressed to all three campaigns. I'll start with Victoria and Sarah on the right, and then move down to the left. In the Guns on Campus draft policy presented by University Attorney Mark Freed, there currently exists a loophole. Students living on campus can keep a firearm in their dorm, provided they store it specifically in an expensive digital scan or keypad safe as a requirement. This is a problem for some college carriers on budget. Additionally, the university cannot enforce this rule as it cannot know which students are carrying or inspect the residences of students for proper firearm storage. With the possibility students may improperly store their firearms and leave it within reach while inebriated or allow roommates access to the gun, what specific steps could you take to begin to solve this loophole? So there are uh, lots of administration on campus that are also dealing with this issue. This is not something that any of the campaigns will be solving on their own. So that is a, something to keep in mind. This is a university, a different administration that is working to get these things um, worked out so that everyone can feel safe and be safe on campus. One thing that we want to do um, to talk about with Res Living and the different administration is to add the question of do you have a gun on, like in the dorms, to the student, I'm not sure what it's called, the students fill out, the roommates fill out a form of what they like, whether they can borrow my toothbrush or this and that. And there's, they work that out at the beginning of the semester, and so adding this into that type of um, format would be helpful. And the university cannot ask if the student has a gun, but students can, and that's a way to open up that conversation among the roommates. In addition, this issue will only affect, um, I'm not saying it's going to affect not everyone, but you have to be age 21, so um, you can look to see what roommates, like their age are before you decide to room with them. If that's a huge concern for you, you can take your own precautions. Um, so we're definitely working Second gen, go right ahead. Yeah. All right. Um, well, first off, I'd like to point out that we, as a university, in any way, are not allowed to ask that question if you have a gun in any way whatsoever. That's just not allowed. That's against the law. But as far as the original question, I think it goes right along with our platform, and that's making sure that people are informed. We won't know if there's a problem unless it's reported. And if more students are informed on the policy and what students can and cannot do, that, open up, that opens up the ability for those students to be able to correctly report if something is wrong. You know, we've already addressed and acknowledged that this is uh, not an issue of even, you know, what a student wants on this campus. It's an issue of constitutional right and uh, state statute. And so I think as far as, you know, closing the loophole goes, uh, you know, that's going to be nearly impossible if it's university council that is, you know, dictating that. And so I think an easy way for WSJ to go about it is, uh, you know, this ties into our other platform issues, addressing mental health resources, because that's going to be, you know, a vulnerable population, and those are the ones that you want to be worried about. 
you know, making sure that students have adequate mental health resources is a good place to start uh, in combating this. Uh, you know, there have been studies that show the correlation between mental health illness and, um, you know, accidents around firearms. And so making sure that students are aware of those issues, um, you know, and maybe everybody in the room and promoting this through Who 101, you know, for, again, a vulnerable population, freshmen. You know, I think that's a good place to start. You talk about age limits. Again, the whole point of concealed carry is you cannot guarantee who will and who will not have a firearm. So while keeping that in mind is important, um, you know, it, it does come into play in other areas. All right, that was the final guns on campus question, so I'm now going to turn it over to the students. Are there any live audience questions on guns on campus? Okay, well, moving on then. Uh, I'm seeing no social media questions either, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic, sexual assault. And again, if you have any questions in regards to sexual assault, live audience, feel free to meet with our production team to ask the candidates. First question. This question is addressed to the Toothaker Ariaga ticket. In a meeting on March 6th, the Director of Sexual Assault Education and Prevention, Shelley Behrman, to discuss a new sexual assault awareness program launching on campus, it was determined that only the Simmons-Weinkauf campaign had met with her to discuss this program. Additionally, you have advocated for an active bystander program in your platform video, a program which Shelley Behrman has thoroughly stated is already being implemented this summer. To the Toothaker Ariaga ticket, is there anywhere, anything else your administration would be able to contribute to this program if it is already being brought to campus? question is to the Sir Henry ticket. In their podcast, the Simmons-Weinkauf campaign said that your approach to sexual assault would all not change any of the current policies or efforts that are currently in place. They also called for a measure to bring students to area high schools to discuss sexual health and awareness, noting that the CDC has just released statistics indicating Topeka is a hot spot for sexually transmitted disease. What approaches would you highlight in your platform that are different from past administrations? And what are your thoughts on the proposal to educate high schools around Washburn? Well, our entire campaign has been about making sure students are informed. So obviously, making sure that more people are informed within the community and on campus is very important to us. And we want to make sure that everyone is informed. Uh, on the topic of sexual assault, with uh, 
Dr. Shelley Behrman's uh, active bystander program. You know, that's something that we introduced during our um, first video. Uh, at that time, we were not aware of it being implemented, but obviously now we are. Last night, uh, Damian Barron actually came to WSJ to give us a little more information on it, and I thought it was great that this was already in the works and that we're getting ready to do this. Zach and I have been very um, involved with, you know, trying to make sure that sexual assault on campus is being becoming less of an issue. We want to make sure that more people know about it, but we want less instances. Um, we've been we've been going to the interviews for um, you know VOCA and stuff like that to get more people on campus so that uh, students are informed. So that's something that we've been working on, but that's also something that we want to continue working on. Alexis Scott, go ahead. Uh, I would just like to jump in on this sexual assault issue. Um, you know, Damien, who went and spoke at WSJ, is the president of STAND, uh, which I was once vice president of. And during my tenure as vice president, I saw that sexual assault, it is important to inform, um, but those programs are already happening. University got a $300,000 grant when I was vice president, um, specifically to encourage bystander intervention and uh, continued information being given out to students. In addition to that, um, there's been steps taken in Rule 101 classes to mandate that all freshmen become educated on this issue. Uh, we're working with WUPO to inform them, uh, you know, on issues like victim blaming and slut shaming. You know, it's short skirt doesn't mean it's okay, and that is the information that's already been given out. Um, you know, in addition to you know the Greek organizations on campus that get information all the time. Um, you know, information is being presented already, and. Uh, you know, I helped to rewrite the policy in 2015 as vice president of STAND. And, uh, you know, it takes more than information. Um, it's not about information. That's not where the issue arises. The issue arises in the processes during reporting. Um, and I've gone through the reporting process, so I think I know better than anybody on this stage the issues that need to be addressed. And they're not about information. That's happening. This question is to the Simmons-Weinkoff ticket. In regards to your statements on sexual assault in your platform video, the Sir Henry campaign said in their podcast that they perceived a lack of substance. They said they felt no specifics were shed when you said your approach to sexual assault must incorporate guns on campus. So what specifically will guns on campus change in your approach to sexual assault? Well, I would say that was a misinterpreta misinterpretation of what I said in the video. Um, there's a study that was done by the Clery Act, which studies universities, that showed um, in Utah in 2012 and 2013 when concealed carry was passed, there was an increase in reports of forcible rape. And in Colorado from 2012 to 2013, uh, there was an increase of 25 to 36% in uh, reports of forcible rape. And that's what I meant when I said incorporate guns on campus. I mean take into consideration the impact that the introduction of concealed carry is going to have on our sexual assault response. Uh, you know, and going into that, Again, I think that education, they said there was no substance in our video. Uh, like I said, I served as the vice president of STAND, focusing on sexual assault reform and policy. And I've worked in the Title IX office with Pam Foster on the sexual assault reporting policy. And, uh, you know, it's not a lack of substance. It's based on, you know, students that are coming in. We need to make sure that they understand the issues, they understand, it, you know, the problems coming in, and work on changing the culture because increasing a culture of bystander intervention and continuing to work with Shelley Behrman on those issues is gonna be really important. And you know, the knowledge of the different kinds of grants and opportunities we can have and uniting with other universities to, you know, with similar demographics, to attack the issue of sexual assaults is important. Uh, Wash, I don't know if you know, Washburn's on a list, uh, actually from the federal government, 
uh, as being deficient in responding to sexual assault awareness. And so there are resources out there the university uh, can use, and I look forward to doing that. Do you have a response to that? Well, what we meant by lack of substance uh, in our podcast was that, you know, in their video, they did mention all the statistics that they just threw out again, and then they ended the topic of sexual assault with just, we should incorporate guns on campus, and then didn't elaborate. So um, it is, it's good that they're finally elaborating on this. It helps everybody kind of understand the platform a little bit better. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, she said that information is already going out about sexual assault. And we would agree with that, that the university, especially this year with the introduction of Dr. Eric Grosvich, um, is really taking it into, you know, heavy consideration that this is a need, a priority for students to make this, you know, issue be heard at the university level. And that's why we're getting the victim of crime advocates, that's why we're getting this active bystander program is because, you know, issues have been raised, and not just through Alexis or Scott, but because, you know, these issues have also been presented to the Washington Student Government Association, which, you know, four of us here sit on. Um, so we have heard these issues from students and from administration. So, you know, we take these things very seriously and we feel that the university is doing a great job of making sure that this issue is prioritized at the university level. Any response to that? All right. That is our last sexual assault question. So we are now going to turn it over to the students again. Are there any live audience questions? could take a moment to introduce yourself to the candidates in the audience. Hi, my name is Indigo Wilson-Schmidt. I'm a junior here at Washburn University. Um, and my question is for all three campaigns. Um, so because of the nature of our society, many perpetrators of sexual harassment and sexual assault may not realize the severity of what they're doing or that, or that they're doing it at all. How will you educate the campus as a whole of the severity of this issue and in a way that makes it so that they can understand it? We'll start on the left this time. Alexis and Scott, would you like to start? Uh, you know, that is a problem. It's been acknowledged by the university. And, uh, you know, that's why we're implementing bystander intervention. And, uh, you know, that's going to be taking place very soon, as well as the courses that, you know, the 101 courses where freshmen have to get that education when they come in as well. I think we begin measuring um, how well that information is being conveyed to them. Because how do we know if it's working or not if we don't have the feedback because it's so new? Uh, so I would say continuing to, uh, to implement bystander intervention, making sure that in the residence halls we have adequate information present for these students. Like I said earlier, a big part of this issue is going to be changing the culture. And Washburn, you know, statistically has a more conservative campus. And, you know, so I think acknowledging the diversity in our backgrounds and our understanding of these issues is going to be really important. Uh, you know, that goes along with inclusion. Everybody's going to have different values, and that's going to dictate, you know, what they find, uh, you know, to be more sensitive and what they don't. And we have to take that into consideration. And, uh, you know, I think an appreciation for the demographics on our campus and actually considering them when changing these things is going to be really important rather than, uh, you know, talking to the student body as though uh, they're all the same person with the same background information on the issue. Thank you, Beretta. I think this is one thing that um, our campaigns agree on, you know, there needs to be more information out there, making sure that, you know, that information is being reached to all students, um, especially in like the WU 101 courses is a great spot to introduce new students to these kind of programs. I remember as a freshman having to take an online module about sexual assault and uh, they tied it into like uh, drinking and, and all that 
and so just knowledge, you know, going into, into college. And I think that was a really great resource. And, you know, going on, you know, being able to recognize whether you are the victim or, or the, uh, the perpetrator that, you know, first you have to have the knowledge to recognize, you know, this is or this is not sexual assault or sexual harassment. And that was the biggest part of our platform is informational forums and the active bystander program to make sure that all students recognize, you know, oh, I've, you know, done this bad thing or something has happened to me that it didn't seem small, but now I realize it's a sexual assault and it should be reported because it is a very serious, you know, issue. And when you take that um, into consideration, and, you know, like I said, this is something that we tend to agree on is to make sure that we get that information out there. Tori, did you want to go ahead? Also, you know, specifically when it comes to the conversation about what, how people don't understand things like incident or what they're doing is an actual sexual assault. I know Indigo specifically, you and I have been a part of the healthy relationships um, seminars that Greek Life goes through. I think something like that that's much more conversational based uh, helps people understand a lot more. It's just not someone up there lecturing. They're trying to get people involved. I think opening that up to the community instead of just Greek Life would be a great advantage to have. Um, I believe that all students can agree that we need to have more education and talks about what is sexual assault and harassment and what's not. Um, it's great that we're talking about it in Blue 101 classes, but that's, that's only one um, year that you're getting. So we've had conversations with um, James Bearclaw about trying to create more programs to talk to, just, to more than just first year students, second, third year students about programs such as this. We also want to um, have WSGA pair up with different organizations such as STAN so that we can get more training on it ourselves. And we want more students to go out and join organizations like STAN, um, be a part of the um, training that Greek Life provided for um, all incoming pledges. Is that right? Sorry. Um, healthy relationships. That's it. My brain's everywhere today. Um, but yeah, we want to implement more programs to all of the students here at Washburn University. Um, we feel that it's important that we create a community so students know what's healthy and what's not in relationship-wise. So that's our big deal, is getting information out there and creating a community where people can support each other and have conversations about what's right and what's wrong. All righty. Uh, we have any other live audience questions? Hello, I'm Trayvon McPherson. Uh, how can we tackle sexual assault on campus and the deficiencies in combating sexual assault without making education on the subject the most important? This is to all candidates. Thank you. All right, we're going to start, uh, is that directed at all three candidates? Okay, we're gonna start with Jim and Zach in the middle, and then we'll move on to Alexis and then Victoria. Well, excluding educational and informational forums uh, from the answer, you know, we want to continue to make sure that we're reaching out to um, the university to make sure that this is a top priority for them to make sure that, uh, I mean, because it is a very serious student need. So we want to make sure that they take it just as seriously. We want to make sure that the student's priorities are at the top of the list when it comes to anything between budgeting issues or uh, just general topics to take up to make sure that, you know, lead to people being informed. I think that um, personally the first step into solving these problems is to make sure that the greatest number of people are informed. Um, but with that withstanding, you know, our biggest thing is communication with the university to make sure they take it just as seriously as we do. Okay. Uh, 
uh, like I said, uh, one of the biggest issues in the sexual assault uh, problem we currently have on campus is in the reporting process. Uh, many students, let's say you go through a sexual assault, you know, put yourself in these shoes. It sucks, but it's what you have to do, you know, to navigate these problems. Is your first instinct gonna be, um, you know, oh, I have to go tell my RA. You're not gonna know exactly who you're supposed to tell. It's a traumatizing experience for a reason, and that trauma is gonna spill into other areas of your life. So I would say refining the reporting process uh, so the students don't have to tell their stories more than one time. It's often called the second rape, and it's called the second rape for a reason. And you know, so I think doing that in and of itself would be a huge benefit um, to people that are reporting sexual assaults on campus, as well as uh, you know, encouraging healthy uh, mental health recovery after the incident happens. Uh, you know, I know someone who went through reporting and came out of it with PTSD, diagnosed PTSD. I would say that's one of the biggest issues we have in our sexual assault policy, and it's not a tough problem to solve. But being put in the position of WSGA president, um, you're put in an easy easy place of access to communicate those issues to the administration that has control to change things. I also agree that the reporting process is something that can be um, horrific in its own sense. And that's having conversations with people that are in charge of getting that um, fixed and getting different things done to it so that it's um, less traumatizing would be really the first thing that we would like to do. Also, we run on Unite, Excite, and Inform. And Unite is listed first for multiple reasons, and one of those reasons is to create a community on campus. So we want to get students involved so that they know the different organizations that are out there, that they can get connected with those different organizations. And then we would have representatives that are uh, informed about the reporting process, the statistics, have them go to those organizations and reach a bigger crowd than just maybe 10 people that attend meetings, but have more people there that everyone can get knowledge about the things that are going on and how to deal with something if that were to happen to you. Thank you all. Uh, do we have any more live audience questions? Okay. All right. I would move into uh, social media questions, but the one that we had submitted seems kind of redundant after that last one now. So uh, we're going to move into uh, campus safety questions now. This question is addressed to all three tickets. Last year on the topic of campus safety, campus lighting and sidewalks were a large topic of discussion. Some commented there was inadequate lighting on the campus, and others expressed concerns that more lighting would disrupt the staff or observatory. Proposals to add more sidewalks were also made. Do any of you think that the lighting or sidewalk on campus could use improvement, or is our current landscape adequate for safety and functionality? Start with Victoria and Sarah. have more lighting on campus. And when we spoke with Kathleenos, he said that is something that's already in the works and that uh, was really helpful to know. Just, you know, for me, it was helpful to know that that was going to happen. Uh, he has spoken with ESU, who has already done this, and they have bright lights, and that's something that we're moving towards, which I think is great and we would support. And so I guess the answer is yes, we do, I do believe that the lighting sh should be upped. Thank you. Zach, Jim, go right ahead. Uh, well, first of all, we'd like to give a real quick shout out to the current WSJ administration, uh, 
uh, Malcolm Nicholson and Nicky Rodriguez, who fought really hard last year, you know, on the same issue as you said, and they did a great job making sure that that issue was taken seriously and that that got accomplished. Um, so I, you know, it's not. Uh, I think that if students feel that they feel unsafe on campus and the problem could be solved by lighting, then I think that's something that we should take up. Um, but I'd like everyone to know that uh, Jim and I were involved in. Said it before. We had a campus accessibility tour, you know, kind of going on the issue of sidewalks. Um, we did an accessibility tour all around campus, and we made sure that you know everything was accessible to all students. Um, and you know, we did highlight a couple of entrances, exits, bathrooms, parking lots, you know, that had problems, but we never really had an issue with, uh, except for a couple like over the hill by Henderson, um, that were difficult to travel. Um, I guess my main point is just that um, we feel that the sidewalks haven't really been an issue, something that we haven't heard students talk about a whole lot. Um, but you know, our biggest part of our platform is to make sure that as an administration, we're listening to all these ideas. And so, you know, just because it's something new to us tonight doesn't mean that we don't take it seriously. We want to keep ourselves informed so that we can best represent the student body. Let's just start doing it. I want to start out by pointing out that uh, the campaign to my left talks about this as being a new issue that's brought up. Like I said earlier, Scott and I have been on campus a combined seven years. Uh, and every WSGA campaign, lighting on campus, has been talked about. Uh, you know, and so I think that obviously it's an issue that's important to, student, to students, but it's also an issue that can be kind of difficult to tackle um, because you know, student expectations of campus safety are always going to be different. And while you can improve lighting, there are areas of campus that you literally, you know, like you mentioned, the fields, uh, you know, behind Henderson, how, how do you like the center of that field? Uh, you know, some of it you just simply cannot solve, and that's the harsh reality of it. Um, and Scott can expand on it. So until uh, lighting is actually improved, we have to be proactive about it. This is uh, why we really want to work with WUPO to point out the uh, dark areas of campus so they can keep a better eye out on it, whether that be through driving around or even a foot patrol. So, Jim, do you have a response to your mention? Yeah, uh, I think it, there's a little misinterpretation there. When we were talking about something that was just brought up tonight, we realized that lighting has been an issue brought up as the previous administration has had to deal with, and we've been on the Senate helping them try to improve lighting and fighting right behind them with it. Um, what we were talking about is a problem with sidewalks. We haven't really heard a lot of students talking about a current issue with sidewalks and you know the size of them. So that was what we were talking about when we said a new issue brought up tonight. We move on now to the next question. This question is addressed to Sir Henry Ticketing. In their podcast, the Toothaker Ariaga campaign mentioned that after you called for tests on the emergency polls around campus, the student ambassadors routinely test the polls during their tours. Beyond this, they propose more uses for the emergency polls, such as for police assistance in situations such as, quote, when you lock your keys in your car. What are your thoughts on allocating additional uses or resources towards the emergency polls? Yeah, we did bring that up, and it's something that we had conversations with Captain Unis about. Um, they do regularly check the polls. This is something that we just kind of came up with to make sure that you know students know, um, you know, we can recognize the available resources. We want to make sure that those resources, you know, are always going to be available. So you know, we really do um, take pride in our student involvement in, in that issue. Um, you know, as far as you know, reallocation of resources for you know the emergency polls. 
Um, because I do work, and we've talked with Captain Inos, and one of the ideas that he has is you know, to make the lights on the poles uh, much brighter and more visible, especially at night, um, because that has been an issue, not just that they don't work. Um, so that's something that we do want to continue to work with Captain Inos and as an administration, and that would be our, our biggest goal as far as the emergency poles go, is making sure that they are brightly, are brightly lit and very visible, so that way all students know exactly where they are. On to our next question now. This one is addressed to the Simmons Winecom ticket. In their podcast, the Sir Andrew campaign commented that they perceived a lack of additional points in the platform video on campus safety beyond those on campus carry and sexual assault. What additional points would you have that focus on campus safety in ways beyond those two issues? Uh, you know, I don't think that campus safety is an issue that can be answered by one person. I'm a straight white woman and Scott is a straight white man. Do you think we have the same concerns for campus safety that somebody of a different background or you know, maybe an underrepresented group or a member of the LGBTQ community? They're gonna have different concerns as far as uh, campus safety go. And for us uh, to dictate what that would be, I think is unfair. And that's why we've been encouraging students to reach out. That's why we've been talking you know, to Black Student Union and reaching out to HALO and uh, you know, talking to all of these organizations on campus uh, that may have issues of campus safety that we haven't thought twice about. And that's what we would do as uh, WSGA leaders. Your mission is to represent the people. So what better way to represent the demographics of our university than to hear exactly uh, what they feel their personal needs would be. And that's why our campus safety response is, um, it is, it's simple. And it's because it's about the students. This next question was addressed to the Toothaker Ariaga ticket. In your podcast, you elaborated on a legislation that would improve campus safety and mentioned that you want to create a community mentality on campus to better make a safe atmosphere. How do you propose specifically to create this community mentality? What kind of programs are available that would do this? Um, great question. So to start off with, isolation, isolationism is like a big problem. Um, it creates students to feel detached organizations and clubs here at Washburn. So we want to mentor almost basically a program of where different organizations will pair up. So say Love Your Melon and Halo. They pair up and they do an event with WSGA and um, WSGA is sponsoring it, getting it out there. And that way more students know what Halo is and what Love Your Melon is. Um, and then you, you, you build relationships, you network, you create a community where different students feel at home. They feel Ichabod pride. They become Washburn students. So that's how we want to go about doing it, is creating a community. Um, not just with organizations, though. Um, we want to also reach out into the Topeka community. We want to join, um, what is it, Topeka Night Out, and create different programs with them so that students can get out and go to the Trampo Laser Rock Wall Park and have fun and love Topeka and love Washburn and enjoy being here. That is the last question on campus safety. Um, now, I don't think that we have any questions on social media or audience submitted ones at this time, is what the production staff is saying. So we're going to move in now to mental health services. This question is addressed to the Sir Henry Ticket. In the Simmons-Weinkoff campaign's podcast,
passed, he stated that don't believe that the other parties, quote, address the relationship between the introduction of concealed carry on campus and mental health resources. They went on to mention that there is a correlation between the presence of firearms and suicide attempts. In regards to mental health services, what would you say your campaign has done and will do for the university's mental health services, specifically in dealing with this new factor of campus carry? I would absolutely love to answer that question. Um, something that everyone can look up and I would love to talk all night about is the fact that I was the co-author and sole sponsor of the only resolution to advocate for the expansion of resources and counseling services to the university. Um, and I, I mean, like I said, I was the only name besides the administration on that bill. So I have a proven track record of you know, knowing the issues of counseling services I've met. I was the only senator that was not in the current administration that actually met with the counseling services staff. Um, wonderful people, but are not getting enough resources. And we have had the uh, honor of having Dr. Grosbich help us a lot uh, on this issue to help us advocate to the university. Um, and we want to make sure that counseling services is there for all students, um, for anything that they need help with, whether that be um, actual anxiety and depression or time management or test anxiety, these are all things that they like to cover. Specifically on guns on campus, you know, this is a very serious issue and it is one that easily ties into counseling services because the greater we have uh, a presence of counseling services, the easier it's gonna be for all students that are uncomfortable or feel unsafe on campus that can get, you know, anxiety from just knowing that there can be a presence um, the easier it is to contact them, you know, easier it is to get help. Uh, we feel that, you know, students will feel uh, more at home and more comfortable on campus. Go ahead. Uh, actually, before I decided to run for student body president, I was thinking about mental health resources on our campus, and I met up with, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Elaine Lewis. She works with Dr. Berman in the library, and we sat in her office with Sean Stacy, going through what it would cost to add counselors to counseling services. And um, it's anywhere from forty to $50,000 per person that's hired, um, including benefits in some cases, depending on the qualifications and education of the person. And, uh, you know, while the Sir Henry campaign talks about increasing resources, you know, they even in their podcast cite a study, uh, you know, that says Washburn has uh, low counseling services in relation to the university needs. Um, you know, I'd like to know where the anywhere from that hundred, uh, you know, to $150,000 is going to come from, because it's not going to come from the WSGA budget, and it's not going to come from the state, uh, you know. And then in addition, they talk in their podcast about expanding uh, rooms that people are able to meet in in the counseling center. It just moved into Morgan Hall, which we're all familiar with, uh, it was just remodeled, you know, so I'm not sure uh, where they expect that space to come from, um, it, you know, and so I think those are things that should be considered. Um, and their response. Um, I'm sure you have a response to that. That actually also ties into my next question. Um, the Simmons-Weinkoff campaign notes in their podcast that Alexis's experience in state politics shows her Washburn cannot expect to get additional funding anytime soon with state government cuts to education. This poses the question, where are the funds that you want for additional counseling resources going to come from? Reprioritization, that's where these funds come from. The first step in creating funds for specific areas, making a clear need for the allocation of money to that specific area. That's exactly what Zach and I have done during our term on Senate by Zach writing the resolution, being the only one to write this resolution to expand uh, resources to mental health services. We've also had deep discussions with Dr. Gerspich as well as President Farley 
um, about expanding resources. I know that's something that's at the very top of Dr. Gerspich's priority list right now when it comes to the budget, and that's something that it's a conversation we continue on when we're actually able to sit in on these budget meetings. Um, but it's all about reprioritization and taking money from other areas. And I'd like to touch on that just a little bit more. Um, you know, it is true that uh, state experience and state legislative experience, um, you know, does have some factor in how Washburn's funded. And it's true that, you know, there's a large possibility that we're not getting any more funds um, for quite a while from the state. However, the state gives us the least amount of money of any organization um, on campus. We are mostly 58% funded by tuition. Um, we are going to make it a goal to make sure tuition does not increase for students, and that goes into our later platform points. But we get more money from, respectively, municipal taxes and from the Washburn Foundation than the state will ever give us. Um, I feel that's where uh, my expertise comes in. I am very familiar with a municipal budget as I served on a city council. I was also an intern at the state legislature, so I do know how the state budget works if I need to. Um, but I also have representative student body as well, so you know I have this robust experience in not just the state legislature that will let me you know kind of understand the budget better. And, and like what Jim said, reprioritization. You know, like I said earlier, that transition time is kind of tough for us because that's when the university has their budget talks. But we have already made sure that the university knows exactly where the Senate's at um, on our priority list and student needs. So we're going to continue that conversation. Moving on to my next question now. This question is addressed to the Simmons Wine Cup ticket. While you noted above that we cannot expect funding anytime soon, Sir Henry campaign noted in their podcast that in comparison with other colleges our size, we only have two counselors as opposed to the minimum five that others have, and only two meeting rooms, which poses a problem when students need therapy for time-consuming, serious issues. The argument is made that something needs to be done about our lag in comparison with other colleges, so where would you gather resources from, or do, alternatively? Uh, well, to begin, you know, I have experience with that, the lag myself. I went in in November of last year to counseling services to request an appointment and was put on a wait list, and I had to call back in February to say, am I gonna get an appointment? Is this gonna happen? You know, so I'm familiar with that issue, all too familiar. And, uh, you know, I think it goes into, we have psychological services on campus, and while it's utilized, it could absolutely be utilized more. Uh, Student-based, student-staffed, and it's separate from counseling services. Uh, you know, so what better way than to utilize uh, the expertise we have in our, um, you know, departmental faculty and administration and the students that they're training to send into the community. If Washburn prides itself on its education that it's giving to these students, um, we should have no problem in allowing them, you know, to help with us as students as well. So I would say that's an easy way to expand mental health resources without having to go into uh, funding for counseling services specifically because at this point in time, uh, it's absolutely not feasible. Across the state, you talk about we have money coming in from Topeka as the city. Uh, across the state, uh, we have a decrease in uh, revenue. That affects Topeka as well, which means a decrease in funding coming from the city. Uh, you know, so it all ties in, and state legislative experience absolutely is applicable to this job. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, it sounds like to me that their focus is going to be more on psychological services and not helping out counseling services. Um, our biggest goal is going to be making sure that, you know, we actually have two and a half counselors. We have two full-time counselors and one part-time director. That one part-time director gave up half her hours and all of her benefits just to hire that other counselor. So it's not that they haven't tried. These are very dedicated women, and I'm sure they would agree with this. 
but our priority is going to be making sure that their needs are met because right now they're not and it's not just the amount of staff that they have it's also that they're stuck between two offices between the three and a half of them and the one graduate level intern that they have the university has been willing to work with us. There's actually been a counseling services committee that WSJ has been a part of, um, and they're actually their next idea is to hire another counselor. So that, those funds are available because the university has already said so. Now, my priority as student body president is to uh, go back into those meetings and instead of getting a new counselor, because although that is a great idea, they're still stuck between two offices and we can still only get two meetings at any given time. We need more room. Uh, my idea is to, there is a classroom right behind the counseling services. If we could reorganize some of the classes at a university level, so that way that classroom isn't used, and turn that into one or two offices, that would be a great first step in making sure that the process is easier for people to get in counseling services. Uh, but our biggest priority is going to be making sure that they're getting what they need rather than just emphasizing another you know, area where we're just ignoring counseling services. Alexis Scott, do you have a response to that? Uh, you know, in our podcast and platform video, Scott and I talk about, you know, the value that we put on Washburn being a school built on relationships. And, you know, one of our recruitment tools that we use in bringing students here is you're going to have small class sizes where your professors know you. I remember sitting in new student orientation where they said, if you think you're going to skip class, you're wrong because your professors are going to know. If students and professors are going to have that kind of relationship, uh, we should be encouraging professors to reach out when they see a student that's maybe, you know, an A, B student suddenly getting C's and D's. Uh, you know, so as far as not addressing counseling services, that's not true. It's an easy way to do it, uh, you know, already building on the values the university has with minimal funding and resources that would be required. Only time and additional training going into the, you know, faculty that they already go through. Uh, you know, so we have academic departments, we have faculty that are dedicated to mental health on service on campus. And, uh, you know, so addressing these issues before they need to be in counseling services uh, you know, I think is an excellent place to start, but like I said, requires minimal funding. And this would also help the students that kind of bottle stuff in. Uh, it's, uh, it's very hard to, you know, talk about your problems sometimes, and, you know, teachers that we know can catch that early on, whether it's you drop out of several organizations you've been a part of, an active member of, or a great job. So that's where we want to start not just with the students that seek help, but for the students that don't seek help, that need it. you have any response to that? Okay. Uh, that was our last question on mental health, but I have another one. This next question is to the Sir Henry Ticket. The Simmons-Weidkamp campaign notes in their podcast that you would encourage campus involvement by raising marketing efforts to get students to join student organizations. However, they note that this approach does not solve the root of the problem, which they believe is a lack of college atmosphere in the business locations around campus. Would you agree that there is a lack of college atmosphere, and would you propose any measures to further encourage students to stay in town or on campus on nights they might go to Lawrence or Manhattan instead? That's a two-part question. First, I'd like to talk about our platform on campus involvement, and specifically on campus. Um, you know, our biggest thing is making sure that not just athletics, but student organizations, fine arts programs, so on and so forth, 
you know, are taking advantage of the resources and opportunities they have to the WSGA that are supposed to represent them. So we want to make sure that we're using our marketing and advertising capabilities as much as possible to make sure that we do have high attendance at all of our events because we feel that all of our uh, athletic programs and all of our fine arts groups deserve, you know, a full house during all of their events. Um, but as far as, you know, off-campus, you know, a community uh, washburn atmosphere, um, we feel that it is not realistic, that it's not feasible for us to go into the uh, business arena in, um, like their campaign said, into um, buildings by Burger Stadium. Um, we've talked with Dr. Farley and he agrees with us that, um, you know, they want it to be an extension of Maybe Library. And the operation at Maybe Library now is hardly a break-even enterprise. Um, if we start getting into direct competition with Burger Stand or PTs, as well as not making any money to begin with, uh, it is just not feasible for the Washburn Student Government Association or any part of Washburn, whether it be the business school or the university itself, to actually back uh, a business such as this. Now, it is great to have an atmosphere and it's great to work with the business school and with alumni, but this is not something that the WSGA should be getting involved with uh, because it's just going to drive people off campus um, to a location that um, really won't be there very long if it ever gets started. Are you raising your hand? Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, it is going to be a hard thing to uh, battle, but it's about getting the ball rolling. Uh, I believe in the student body to do that. I believe in the community to do that. I believe in Washington to do that, and the faculty. And uh, it's going to be hard, like I said, but uh, if you don't believe it's worth a shot, I don't know why you're running for president. Am I allowed to add into that? Oh, you got time. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, Washburn also owns the block and the building that Henry Tease is on. We just recently found out this week. Uh, so that would minimize any cost that would go into even obtaining the land that it would be on. And in our platform, we explain it's a student-based organization, uh, a student-based business that would be based out of the business department uh, with faculty assistance, of course. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, there's absolutely no reason the university, uh, you know, wouldn't support some kind of expansion in this. Um, you know, the idea actually came about in discussions with maybe library faculty. So, uh, you know, I think it's not impossible, and to assume it is, I think shows a lack of vision for the university and a lack of, uh, you know, understanding of what the issues are that prevent it from continuing to grow. Exactly, go ahead. I'd like to point out that they do want it to be an extension of maybe library. They've said this, but I'd also like to point out that maybe library is not 24 hours, um, and it doesn't employ that many people. And to have a 24-hour, they have a coffee shop, study area, donut shop, to have it to be 24 hours, you're increasing the cost of operation um, through university expenses that they've already said we don't have that much of. So we're going to be putting money off of campus uh, that is actually going to cost us more than the operations we have on campus that don't make money now. And instead of actually advancing student opportunities and some of their platforms such as sexual assault awareness, counseling services, and so on and so forth, just supporting our goals, uh, they choose to take it off campus. We feel that if they really wanted to support businesses, they would allocate more to maybe supporting the maybe library operation if that's what they want to do. And so that way maybe it could be more uh, active with students. Um, but we think the first step should be to go ahead and open um, a shop that even the president of our university has said that it, it won't, it's not feasible. Uh, I would like to say I think that's a misunderstanding of the plan. Uh, the plan is that it's based out of the business department uh, with business students uh, being the ones that run the, the program. 
We also have met with various business owners in the community that have said they would be absolutely committed to investing in this. Uh, so the money for it would not necessarily all come from WSGA, and to assume it would would be insane, and I understand that. Uh, you know, and that's why we've been meeting with community business owners. If you go on our social media, you can see, you know, where we post about these meetings. Specifically, we met with Topeka Night Out, uh, you know, to promote, uh, for example, Greek chapters having profiles uh, to push for um, promotion of their events on campus. And he was one of the people that said he would absolutely support this. And, you know, that's not even considering, uh, you know, funding we could get from various Washburn alumni who acknowledge the issue you know, that prevents students from staying over the weekend. Uh, so there are plenty of outside sources to look for the money. Uh, you know, and I mean, we have marketing people that are in WSGA that understand that perfectly. Uh, like I said, we have the whole business department that does financing, uh, you know, finance studies. We have the resources to do it in the community and on our campus, and it uh, is a shame to act like we don't. Victoria, sir, I saw you raise your hand. Would you join it? Yes, uh, whether this is feasible or not, whether this is, um, for the students or for the business department or not, I believe that moving, uh, that taking something off of campus that we have on campus would be, um, it's not right with the priorities of campus. Right now, I hear more issues about uh, no, no one attending the basketball games or no one knowing about the event that CAB hosted, no one attending the, the orchestra concerts. And I think that building a community on campus should be the for, at the forefront of what student government does. It is student government first, and I think that the issue that is most um, spoken about by students is involvement and uh, getting, and like, why are we here at Washburn? And what do we want from Washburn? And I think that that should be the issue that should be addressed first. I'd like to point out that uh, many sports events happen on the weekends, and one of the ways we would combat students going home on the weekends is through providing outside, off-campus social opportunities. Uh, you know, and the whole, you know, we're not taking people off of campus. If you've been on campus long enough, you know the library used to be open 24-7. All we're doing is encouraging students to move uh, to a building that will be open um, and provide those same opportunities and same resources. Uh, it's not taking away, it would actually keep students here on the weekends to increase attendance um, of the athletic events specifically that they're talking about, all the theater events that we have on the weekend, all of the art shows that happen, uh, you know, when many students do go home. And so finding ways to keep students on campus, I think we've all heard that complaint, there's nothing to do in Topeka, uh, you know, how do you start it? You get the ball rolling, you make these conversations, you reach out to community owners and you talk about investing in this because that's the only way it's gonna happen. Someone has to start talking about it. Go ahead. Um, from a business standpoint, I own my own business. I come, I'm a daughter of several business owners. Um, you talk about getting students to stay on campus and that there are things here in Topeka to do. Um, perhaps instead of just creating a business out of nowhere, you could start with maybe starting programming, perhaps, like more events for students to be in. Um, that they stay, I don't know, in a safe area as well, but they also participate because just starting a random business downtown might, might have its implications. Well, I'd like to start out and point out it's not downtown. It's okay. uh, walking distance from campus. It's the corner of Henry T's. And uh, in addition to that, uh, what did you say, um, business owners? Um, absolutely, the place to start is here. And getting students to stay on the weekends, like I said, is going to be uh, through funding this. Um, no, it's absolutely possible to do. It is very possible, and like I said, we talked with business people in the community that have said they would absolutely invest in this. Uh, you know, it's in the mix already, regardless of whether we win the election or not. Okay.
Okay, I want to ask a follow-up question real quick, and then I'm going to move on to you just to see if you had a response, then I will call on you for your response. Um, can you specify which community business owners that you have met with? I'm actually really, really glad you say that. That was the whole point. Uh, things happening in Topeka. Topeka Night Out is a business we met with. I uh, mentioned earlier the Greek profiles to create. Uh, we talked explicitly about um, encouraging all student organizations to create a profile on this website, Topeka Night Out, that promotes social events happening in the community, not just on our campus. And it would bridge the gap between uh, you know, students and community members. And you know, by encouraging that, uh, what? You, um, you know, Sagep had their spaghetti night. Uh, you know, Sagep would be, they would have a profile to post this so that community members and alumni would have easy access to see these events happening around campus. Uh, you know, the same, it can be utilized by all areas of the university. And um, that's one of the businesses that we, like I said, regardless of whether we are elected or not, has already said he would, um, it, you know, pursue this. And that's because we started these conversations. So if these changes are happening before we are even elected, uh, you know, it's exciting to think about what could happen when we're put in the position, and, you know, to have immediate access to all of these resources and relationships. Okay. Tori, Sarah, did you want to follow up? Um, yeah, you only listed the Topeka Night Out. Oh, sorry, you only listed the Topeka Night Out as the one business, but you've talked to other businesses, correct? Uh, Jim Parrish, owner of uh, the Ramada and the Jayhawk Tower. It's my uh, kind of grandpa. So uh, he's uh, on board, and uh, he also sponsors Humber Sports Park. Uh, I've talked to uh, Randy. I'm on a first name basis with him. He's the owner of Fairlawn Plaza Mall, and he'd be willing to do that. Also, it's uh, there's a organization called Shop Local for Topeka, and I've begun to talk to members of that organization, trying to move more local shops here, kind of give this a college atmosphere. Thank you. Zach, Jim, go ahead. Well, uh, first of all, my father also owns a business, so I've been taught the lessons of financial responsibility, uh, but we're talking about a college campus. Um, just think for a moment, if we do open up a 24-hour coffee shop, donut shop, what have you, uh, right next to Burger Stand and right down the street from PTs. So we're either going to a takeaway business from PTs, who actually supplies some of our coffee beans for the Maybe Library, which puts us in an interesting uh, business partnership situation. <clears throat> First, and then uh, next is that you're driving people and students uh, off campus to use this new business, um, meaning that less people are going to be on campus to utilize Maybe Library, Union Dining, Lincoln Dining. Um, so you're driving people off campus um, for reasons really unknown because they say that you know it's not just going to be the WSJ or the business school funding this and we understand that we also know that you know private investors aren't going to stay in it if there's no money to be made it's a really great proposition but we feel that our first priority shouldn't be um, spending student money and community money to create a program that we've already seen here on campus doesn't make uh, quite as much money as we'd like to, we'd rather prioritize student issues such as mental health services, sexual assault, and open educational resources. I want to ask another follow-up question real quick and I'll ask you if you have responses. Um, in regards to this proposed coffee shop or donut shop, you did specify that it would run 24 hours. Uh, I have a question about how that would be possible when last year uh, maybe library actually had to due to budget constraints, stop running 24 hours a day and only goes till two now. So how is it that this would run 24 hours when maybe library cannot? Uh, well, I'd like to point out that's where the importance of the outside investment comes in. 
because they lacked those resources uh, you know, that we would make up through outside investment. That's exactly the point of getting these community members involved is because they understand uh, the issues. I mean, if you're a Kansan and you pay taxes, you understand the issues uh, you know, that we have as far as state money goes. And uh, you know, so providing that to assist the university is, uh, that's why they've been so vocal about wanting to do it. Uh, because they've seen the closing of maybe library and you know this is a way that would cost less money um, overall because you wouldn't have to keep the library open 24 7 uh, you know however many days per year it's a small area and uh, you know to talk back to the Sir Ed and Henry campaign I believe I repeated Bosch Bernardi owns the block of Henry T's uh, and the the building that that's on so it wouldn't be pulling away from Burger Stand it wouldn't be pulling away from PT's and getting into logistics of what would actually be served in this 24-7 business. Uh, you know, who says we can't have PT's coffee there? No one said we couldn't connect these companies together. Uh, you know, I mean, we've already built that partnership. That seems like it would be a relationship that would be fairly easy to build on. Just to be clear, I just said donuts, no coffee. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, donuts. Okay, uh, so now, uh, do we have any follow-ups to uh, what Zach and Jim just said? So my next question was actually been pretty thoroughly covered by that dialogue. So I think that we're out of questions for campus involvement. Uh, I'm now going to ask uh, if we have any live audience questions on campus involvement. Uh, seeing one on social media, um, I don't know who submitted this. There is no name associated with it. But uh, the question to simmons Weinkoff. What efforts have you made or have been involved with to foster multicultural understanding and cultural competence? Okay, well, um, I'm from inner city Wichita, and if you're familiar with Wichita, you know the demographics are a bit different than Topeka. Uh, you know, so my background in education um, has been built around different cultures and, uh, you know, having to work with different people with different values, like I said earlier. You know, so really appreciating the demographics of that. My freshman year, I was nominated for the SOAR Award, uh, specifically for being a freshman, um, what was it, uh, appreciation of diversity or, uh, you know, something along diversity lines. And um, in the stand, I'm a big proponent of intersectional feminism because feminism applies to women in different ways. Like I said, uh, you know, same principle for campus safety goes to feminism. Um, you know, and so uh, actually acknowledging the differences instead of saying there is no, you know, difference in race, we're all the same, uh, you know, is how I have grown culturally and to appreciate diversity. Uh, you know, I have taught in my efforts at diversity, uh, you know, an expansion, specifically reaching out to high school areas. I mean, we all know that high schools in Topeka feed the high schools in Topeka feed into Washburn. And so by sending students out to build these relationships early, it exposes them to the university. Uh, you know, and we know the demographics of Topeka, and it's very racially and very, socio very socioeconomically diverse. And like I said at the beginning with the Princess Project, um, it's specifically to encourage underrepresented groups of people uh, you know, to come on campus and learn about colleges and universities, which naturally would increase um, the presence of different uh, minorities that we have here on campus. Uh, you know, an appreciation for our international students too. I have studied abroad. I know the resources, you know, that need to be provided for students. Uh, you know, I've had experiences that maybe some other students running for WSGA haven't had, so I understand, uh, you know, where gaps and resources could be met and filled. Uh, I would say my experience in diversity initiatives is pretty extensive, uh, you know, especially relative to the three years I've had here. That is all the social media submitted questions that we have on campus involvement. 
We are now going to see if we have any questions that do not fit previous categories. Are there any live audience questions on this subject? So we have heard a lot of talk from the presidential candidates and very little from the vice presidential candidates. So this question is just for the vice president. Besides serving along your presidential candidate and supporting your platforms you agreed upon, what will you personally do as the vice president? I'd like, uh, for the sake of time, for us to limit our responses to one minute, please. Thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Scott. Well, I'll just say uh, leading by example by going to these events, whether it be uh, athletic or in the arts or uh, events that organizations put on campus. And I've done that already uh, with a lot of philanthropies. I know each uh, Greek house philanthropy and I've supported all of them. Uh, and I would just continue doing that. Going to sports events, I'll continue doing that because that's what you gotta do. It's better to say, hey, come with me to this event and say, hey, Go to this event. Jim, go ahead. I think uh, proactivity is one of the biggest parts of either role, whether it be president or vice president. And I think that I have shown uh, that I am a very proactive person when it comes to meeting with students, meeting with student organizations. Um, and you know, obviously, I'm I've been very involved on campus. I'm still involved in just about every organization that I started with my freshman year. Um, whether it be Greek life or being a student orientation, summer orientation counselor, or you know, working on campus, stuff like that. I think reaching out to the most students is the first, should be the first priority of anyone running for this kind of office, and I will continue to do that. Also, leading by example, as Scott said, with when it comes to legislation and stuff like that, uh, obviously the vice president runs the Senate when it comes to Senate meetings, and that's very important to understand legislation and how that process goes. Sarah, go ahead. Uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that I feel that Tori and I are a team, so I feel that you have uh, hopefully heard from both of us equally, and that's something that's very important to us. Um, as Vice President, I would like to be a role model. Um, both of us as freshmen are seen as maybe underqualified, but I'd like to like be the, the representative that you can do anything at any moment in time if you have passion for it, if you have a drive to do something. I'd like to continue to be involved um, with WSGA and be the voice that this, maybe if they're afraid to go to the president or if they're afraid, or they just don't know, that they could be able to come to me. I want to be um, for the people, for sure. And, uh, do we have any more live audience questions? All right, so my name is Alex Lasher. Uh, this is questions for the Singles Wine Call Ticket. Um, you just suggested that uh, to cut down maybe libraries' hours to fund your business. What happens to all the students that use their, the computer study areas or group study areas when they no longer have that resource due to having less hours? Uh, I think that was a misinterpretation of what I said. I meant that when the hours were cut, it was because they couldn't afford them. And uh, it, you know, the money that it takes to run the library 24-7 is not the same that it would cost to run, uh, you know, 1,000 square foot, one, you know, two room, uh, basic leased space. And so that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that I would encourage the cuts of maybe library anymore. You know, I've been a writing tutor in the library. I've been a reference assistant. I work as a peer mentor, peer educator. Uh, you know, I cannot tell you the number of hours I spend per week in the library. I would absolutely never encourage or advocate 
that maybe library lose any resources in any capacity at all. Do we have any more live audience questions? Hey everyone, uh, I think I have the most important question of all. Can you just tell everyone uh, why you all love Watchmen? <laughs> Uh, we'll go ahead and start with the Victoria Toothpaste and Sarah ticket. When I was uh, picking schools, I originally um, had KU in mind uh, because as being young, like as a team that was around, and I found Washburn through uh, Girl State, which was a summer program, and I got here and the campus was beautiful, so I decided to look into it. And once I came here on my visit, I realized that this is a the type of community that I wanted to be a part of. I didn't want to be a bystander in my education, and I wanted to get involved. And so getting involved with WSGA really, uh, especially with Malcolm, is like so much Ichabod pride. You know, it was really, um, it was really cool for me to know that there are people here that care about Washburn, and that is why I care about Washburn, because there are other people here, and I want to get involved with them, and I want to do more for Washburn. So I've been looking at Washburn University since my junior year of high school. <laughs> I've had alumni that talked to me about Washburn, and the more I knew about Washburn University, the more I began to fell in love with it. It was just this happy mid like, middle ground. Um, when I stepped onto campus for the first day, I just kind of felt like I was at home. Um, it was just really peaceful feeling like, I'm growing up now, and I'm on my own, but I have this great support system. Um, then I became a cheerleader, and I got to see even more parts of Washburn, and I met even more people and it's the people here at Washburn that really made it for me. I, I began to fall in love with here, everyone here, um, just talking to all the different students and my family. You're out of time. Okay. Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, well, for those of you who know me, um, I actually attended KU my freshman year, and I was very involved in my high school between student council at FBLA, and, you know, I knew every student there, and then I went to KU, and I was very removed. Um, I didn't get involved and, you know, I went to school, went home, and that was it. Um, and so I really, I just didn't connect. Uh, as soon as I stepped foot on campus, I got involved with the Senate, and it's really where I feel home. And it's close. I know a lot of people, and through the campaign, I've been able to connect with a lot more people than I ever would have imagined. Um, I've not met a person that I didn't like, um, and I hope that to continue. But, um, yeah, this is really just home for me. I'm a firm believer that I did not choose Washburn, Washburn chose me. It's my home away from home, it's my second family, and that's why I'm proud to be a Nick Bud. Yeah, uh, I've sat on a many, uh, many student panels, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I tell all the students and parents that look at coming to Washburn. Uh, like I've said multiple times, Washburn is a school that is built on relationships, and because of that, your professors get to know you and your personality and really who you are. And uh, you know, so the opportunities you're presented with, and uh, you know, looking around this room, I know almost every single person in this room. Do you think that's possible at any other school? It is absolutely not. Uh, you know, and so how lucky are we to come to this campus, go to an event, know we're going to see somebody we know, know that our professors care if we pass, know that our administration cares about us. That's why I love Washburn. Uh, the reason why I love Washburn is also because of the friendly faces. Every time I walk through campus, I see somebody I know, and that's uh, really nice. But when I first started here, I didn't know anybody, and those people still said hi to me. And that's why I'm so involved today.
And that was the last of our live audience questions. Um, if you'd like to take a moment now to conclude, we'll give you each one minute between the three of you. So, go ahead. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone that came out and watched us live stream. That's really great. And we just ask for your support, and please go and vote. Um, no matter what, just go and vote. Your opinion matters, and WSGA really cares about everyone here, especially all the candidates. And uh, unite, excite, and inform Washburn University. Well, uh, the biggest thing that we want to make sure everyone knows is that as an administration, we will practice an open office with open minds, and that really means that any idea, question, comment, or concern, any student, fact, the staff administration has, uh, first of all, they know where the WSGA office is underground in the union, and everyone is invited to come, you know, share their stories or, you know, voice their opinion, um, to make sure that, you know, those are met with enthusiasm and open minds, because we feel the best way to uh, get a really great campus is to communicate, cooperate, and coordinate, and we really, we've had an honor, and it's been our honor and privilege to meet so many students and connect with different student organizations. We're really looking forward to the elections next week. Uh, the only way to best sum it up is uh, two words, go Bonds. Uh, well, I would like to begin by pointing out, as I did earlier, Scott and I have been on campus for seven years. You know, combined to that seven years of uniting, seven years of informing, seven years of exciting and communicating and collaborating, um, which are great ideals, you know, but we've been doing them. And, you know, so that has built the relationships that allow us to really uh, build on the idea that people are individuals on our campus. You know, when you enroll at Washburn, you're not just a number, you're a person. So, in case anybody forgets that, we'll be there to remind them you matter. That concludes tonight's debate. We show a round of applause for all our candidates. <laughs> Wonderful job answering the questions tonight, guys. We're really impressed. Um, and of course, uh, everyone, if you'd like to uh, speak with the candidates, I know that they're always open to talking to students as well. Follow-up questions or anything like that. Uh, thank you all for attending, and uh, thank you for your patience with our technical difficulties on uh, the live stream. But uh, of course, go bots!